Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, this is my first in-season Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing show. So we are going to cover this game, a winner's edition of covering this game. I know it wasn't pretty, but that's going to be okay. We're still going to talk about it. We still got to be a little excited, and. I have to sell. I mean, it's my first episode of the season. I've never. I gotta celebrate a win. I don't care what it looked like. I gotta celebrate the win. All right. So we're gonna get into all of that good stuff. I promise you. But there are just a few things you wanna. I wanna cover before we totally get into the wonderment that was Notre Dame football on Sunday night. Uh, so you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about college football in general. We will talk about the game. That'll be the bulk of this ordeal. We will talk about a poll I put out, and it was interesting to see the results of that poll. We'll definitely get to that. So let's let's just jump right into it. You guys know the deal. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. All right, so let's cover college football real quick. It won't take long. And I might reference it throughout the show, you know, just kind of looking at Notre Dame and how we played. But I'm just, if you don't like the movie Ace Ventura, I'm going to apologize now because you guys might get tired of seeing the, man, I'm tired of being right because could I have been more right about the North Carolina Tar Heels? Could I have been more right about the North Carolina Tar Heels? I might just go to all their message boards and, and all their Twitter posts and just slap that gif on there. Man, I'm tired of being right. Exactly what I said was the fuck wrong with them is exactly what they showed on, what were they play Saturday, Friday? I don't even remember, Thursday? I don't even know what day of the week it was. It was, the, it was a shit show for them, though. Their offensive line that sucked last year came back and still sucks this year. Shocker. Uh, last time I checked, you don't bring back bad things and then just because you're bringing them back, it makes them better. I, I don't get that. You know, Sam Howell, again, again, he's not Mike Vick. He's not Vince Young. He's not Cam Newton. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not, he's not that quarterback that takes over games. He can't do it by himself. And lo and behold, losing uh, NFL players at key positions turned out to be quite a bit of an issue, huh? So that was joyous. Um, I, they may not. Have, I, I'm doing this uh, recording Tuesday afternoon. They re, rankings haven't even been released yet. I'm curious to see where North Carolina is. Um, I think Notre Dame is probably going to hold hold where they are, despite FSU probably being a good team um, come year's end. 
uh, at this point, there, there were some things that I could see why voters would be like, you know what, Notre Dame needs to stay where they are. Having said that, you look at other teams. Uh, Oklahoma had their own issues with Tulane. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, they just go across the Montana beat Washington. Um, USC, who I feel like might be the threat to beat Notre Dame. I still kind of feel that way, despite the fact that they were only beating San Jose State. San Jose State, 13-7 to going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, look across the board, there was just... Uh, Wisconsin and Penn State, their pitchers were dealing a shutout at half. Uh, they got they had no nose going. It felt like uh, Clemson and Georgia, somewhat expected uh, in terms of how close the game was. I don't know if anybody expected such a low scoring game. I do think some people did predict that. Uh, shout out to the Sluggo podcast and JP Priester. He called it. He said it'd be a low scoring game. I don't know if he meant that low, but uh, that didn't surprise me too much because those are two really good football teams. And despite what people want to say about Clemson or Georgia, whatever, those are two good football teams, and good football teams cancel each other out sometimes. Just That's the way it goes. Um, the only team that didn't even have a, a bit of struggle, uh, shocker, was Alabama. Because Ohio State had their own issues with Minnesota until Minnesota's star running back went down. I mean, you go across the country, and everybody had not the best week one. Okay. But I don't want to sit here and be like, well, if everybody else is doing it, then it's fine if Notre Dame does it. It's no big deal. Everybody else is doing it. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to point to what everybody else is doing. You know, like if everybody's jumping off the bridge, you're going to jump off too? Well, no, of course not. But I just, the the, NC, the North Carolina thing was, <laughs> oh man, I, I never enjoyed a football game so much. I really, it I questioned if I've enjoyed a football game as much as I enjoyed the share of that. Just because I didn't have the anxiety, like obviously, I've, obviously, I've enjoyed Notre Dame games a little bit more, but I didn't have the anxiety of like that's my team. Like I didn't care if they won or lost. I really didn't. But the fact that they did lose in embarrassing fashion was phenomenal. That was that was a great way to start the the college football weekend. I tell you what, holy smokes! And you know, it's like Sam Howell just fell off a cliff, man. I don't even know how Heisman talk forget it. I, I saw a bunch of metrics, uh, you know, where they, they do the chart, like top right quadrant is really good. And <laughs> how in the bottom left, you know, it's, it's like uh, that scene from Tommy boy. Where's Sam? How? Well, geez, I don't see him. I, I how could he be in the Heisman race? If he's way over there. Yeah, it, he's done. And Notre Dame's going to beat the crap out of them when they come strolling through South Bend. And we will get into how that will happen. I get it. There, were, we we left a lot of questions out there, guys. Let's be real. Definitely left some questions out for others to jump upon, because we were the only game in town. It was Sunday night. Nobody else was watching football except us, uh, or not nobody else. Nobody else was playing football except us. So everybody was watching us. At, I mean, it, it sucks. But, you know, it's you think back to what I talked about before the game and some of those things can end up happening, you know. So uh, let's just get into it. Let's get into this game and talk about how we escaped Florida State in overtime. You know, first things first, 
I said Jermaine Johnson would probably be a problem. Like, I I just had a feeling. He came from Georgia. He had five sacks in very limited time last year. It, it was a concern. You know, uh, Kerr Thomas was a bigger uh, playmaker, too. I just, those two guys created problems. They really did. And it's unfortunate that Blake Fisher went down because he, from what I can tell, he wasn't doing so bad. And real quick, I, I didn't even know he went down. Like, I don't know when it happened. I really don't. Uh, all of a sudden, he just wasn't out there. They didn't really make a, I mean, unless the, my TV skipped. I just, they never really talked about it until I noticed Carmody out there. But, uh, you know, apparently it's not too major because they didn't really talk about it. Hasn't really been mentioned. So you, you hope Fisher's okay. Because Carmody did get beat a few times. And if, if we got fast defensive ends, quick defensive ends, good end defensive ends going against us like Jermaine Johnson, that could be an issue. So, you know, that's something I noticed. Um, I pointed that out. Um, the rest of the team, I kind of showed to be exactly what I thought with Florida State. It was... Basically, a bunch of athletes that you never know when they can make a play. You never know. It didn't even necessarily have to be the best scheme or otherwise, you know, because you look at what they did to put points on the board. And I, I, I'm going to start with the defense on for Notre Dame. I'm going to start there because um, the positive was the offense, the negative was the defense. And then we'll get into my poll, which is more or less what – What's a bigger story, the offense, cone, or the defense? But let's start with the defense. The 89-yard touchdown run wasn't Florida State doing something incredible. You know, first of all, there was holding on the play against a guy who touched the running back. He was being tackled as he's touching the running back. That's one thing. But let's not harp on a, a missed call. If you want to harp on a missed call, how about the punter getting freaking tornadoed uh, I don't know what you need to do to get roughing the kicker. Maybe you need to be packing, which doesn't surprise me. We did play the criminals. So, I mean, it wouldn't be surprised me if he had a gun or a knife or some sort of weapon in his locker. That's neither here nor there. But I don't know how that's <laughs> not a roughing the kicker call. I don't give a crap about the explanation. He got to hit his plant leg, not his kicking leg, whatever. They, he could have been hurt. It's plain and simple. But nonetheless. But the 89-yard touchdown run, we got holding. Forget that. That guy was in position, just, again, got held. But then DJ Brown's in position and gets juked out of his jock. And we it's those we got to make those plays. It's that simple. And missed tackles is going to be talked about here in a second, just in totality. But a team like Florida State, you can't miss that. You can't do it. Because when you do it, that's what happens. You miss the tackle, next thing you know... They're going 89 yards for a touchdown because regardless of scheme or otherwise, Florida State has athletes. We said it. We've been saying it. It's it's not a surprise. They have dudes that can play. You know, that's why we got beat for a 60-whatever-yard touchdown pass because they got dudes that can run. Houston Griffith, you got to be better than that. Kyle Hamilton can't do everything. You can't. He can't do everything because Griffiths was the other safety. So now... What you're asking is not only can Kyle Hamilton cover up for corners' mistakes, now he's got to cover up for the other safety's mistakes. 
he's not, he's good. He is good. But we can't be asking him to do every single thing on this defense. You know, and another touchdown that uh, was, um, was it the one right out of the, I'm trying to think it was the one right out of the half or not. No, the 66-yard was. But the, the, the naked bootleg, I'm, I'm spacing on when Florida State had scored because they unfortunately scored so many goddamn times. But the naked boot by Jordan Travis, you know where Kyle Hamilton was? He went on the field, <clears throat> unless he was wearing a different jersey or they put him on the D-line somewhere and I, he blended in. He was not on the field. And I don't get it. I don't get it. That's a problem. You, you, he's got to be on the field. Again, if I missed it, please let me know. At five foot nothing pod. Please let me know. I didn't see him on the field for that play, and that that was crazy to me. Crazy. How do you not have him on the field? <clears throat> so when you let a team of athletes, because again, who cares how Florida State blocked that? Naked boot. We got smoked, and Jordan Travis can run. Plain and simple. End of story. And that's the issue. There's our teams coming up on our schedule. Wisconsin, I guess Cincinnati, USC, I guess North Carolina. You know, obviously Virginia Tech, who just beat North Carolina. You know, there's other teams with athletes that if provided a window, just being an athlete can make or break uh, a game or a play and we we can't let that happen. So we got to be on point and that's something I stressed. They got a lot of players, but are they all figured out? Are they all gelled together? I don't think so. I really don't because if you think about the big plays they made, I and I'm not trying to minimize Notre Dame's role or Florida State's you know, success, but like I feel like it was more Notre Dame making a mistake, missing a tackle, or being out of position or otherwise, as opposed to Florida State just being better than us. I don't think that was it. So, you know, I saw a question on Twitter. What's our? What do you think our record is going to be after that? I still think 11-1. and one. Uh, USC still scares me. Uh, having said that, USC didn't look that great. Wisconsin didn't look that great. North Carolina looked like trash. So is 12 and 0 a possibility and looking more real than 10 and 2? Yeah, if you ask me today what's more likely, 10 and 2 or 12 and 0, I'd say 12 and 0. I'd put my if if those are the only two options like 11 and 1 is still where I'm at. But if you said 50 bucks, what do you think is more likely, 10 and 2 or 12 and 0? I would I would put the 50 on 12 and 0. I really, there's I don't see two teams that can beat us right now. And that's that and Notre Dame didn't play that great. Let's be honest. But, but I think the things that can be that need to be fixed are easily fixed and can be fixed. And it's on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why I started with defense. Because I feel like I'm going to talk more about the defense, uh, what's going on, and what we need to do. There were so many confusing things. So yeah, we got uh, their are playmakers, and we got to know that these. They're, they have athletes. So we got to be ready for it, you know. So, in the beginning, like Florida State looked horrible. They looked horrible. They could, they couldn't do anything. They were 
they had uh, what negative yards. It felt like I just they were not doing anything correct. And then boom, they break an eighty-nine yard touchdown because we were slightly out of position, and the guys that weren't position just flat out missed tackles and got juked. That that can't be a thing. That that can't continue. Like like come on, they how we we have. High-level Division One athletes on both sides of the football, but on the defensive side of the ball, we got to be able to tackle. And then we're we got guys going down injured. Uh, Mawalu's gone. You know, I, I think I think Simon uh, was nicked up. I mean, you might see Prince Kali coming up soon. You know, but the thing about the defense that you know people are saying, oh, our defense looked bad. It looked bad. It looked bad. It looked bad. There were really two things. One was tackling, and two is on Marcus Freeman. The tackling, I guess you could attribute it to whoever, Marcus Freeman, uh, positional coaching, whatever. Uh, Brian Kelly, I don't know, but we got to work on tackling. we got to figure that out. But putting the guys in the right position is the coach's job, and you got to finish the job. So the one is tackling, but the two on Marcus Freeman is how long – was it going to take for you to realize that maybe a three-man front isn't the best way to go? You waited until they tied it up. Good for you. That's how long you waited. You waited until they freaking tied the game. It was 38-20. to 20. It was 38-20. to 20, And I'll knock the offense here in a second for playing the same old bullshit fucking playing not to lose. I'm, I'm over it. 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 Reese, get, I don't, is it Reese, is it Kelly, I don't know, but playing not to lose is fucking old, I'm over it, it's it's old news, stop playing that way, get Herm, pull him, Herm Edwards from Arizona State just for a fucking afternoon, and let him tell you how you play the game, you play to win the game, you play to win the game, you don't play not to lose, you don't play to conservative, you don't, None of that crap. And apparently it's already rubbed off on Marcus Freeman after one goddamn game. He's already playing not to lose. The offense is more to blame for that crap. And we'll get there. But the defense, man, like... I said it. I said it. Our defensive line is better than any offensive line we are going to face this season. Our defensive line includes four people. Four guys. You need him. You need Foskey. You need MTA. You need Amendola and Heinish. If not them, fine. The other Amendola, Asafenza. Uh, <laughs> wow, went too fast on that one. Asafomenza, Riley Mills, like all those do. Howard Cross, they're all in there. They're making plays. We're getting all kinds of pressure. We're not wrapping up. I get it. We're not making the tackles. But the answer is not automatically go to a three-man front thinking they're going to pass, and then Florida State's like, okay, we're not going to pass. We suck at passing, actually. Every time we drop back to pass, you got, I don't know how many guys in our freaking face, and if you tackled us, we'd be screwed. So Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman decided, you know what, let's give them the run. Just put three three down linemen and put five DBs. You know what, our, weak, our weakest link is the secondary. Let's put more of them out there. What in the hell are we doing? They couldn't do shit when we had four down linemen. Why stop? 
That's the theme of the whole fucking game. Let's be real. Why stop? Why stop with the four down linemen that kept getting pressure? Eventually, you're going to tackle them, I hope. I hope you are. Well, I don't know, but we only went to three, so the pressure was limited. And if we did get pressure with the three, there was that was it. The three were passed, and Jordan Travis is gone. So why stop with the four down linemen? Why stop throwing the ball with Jack Cohn? Why are we determined to run the ball into, I don't know where, for 1.9 yards of carry? That makes no sense. I, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So maybe that should be the theme of Sunday night's game. Notre Dame was playing insanity ball. We're just going to keep doing the same thing, hoping it works. Well, guess what? It didn't. You blew an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. It didn't work. Try again. Go back. Learn how to fucking tackle, number one. Number two, when four down linemen are the best part of your team, on the, especially on defense and probably the, as a unit, probably the best team, uh, best unit on our team. Why are you going to eliminate one of those guys? I don't understand. I don't understand it. And, you know, Marcus Freeman's learning. I, it's, but the fact of the matter is this is – it's Florida State. It's the ACC. Yes, they were down last year. Yes, they're not going to be uh, one of our main opponents this year because we still got Wisconsin and, I guess, Cincinnati. And USC and, I guess, North Carolina. And I say the, I guess, Cincy, guess, North Carolina because I'm not sold on either two of those teams even competing with us. Uh, and I know Florida State just did. I get that. <clears throat> but a lot of it has to do with just dumb stuff. Like, dumb stuff. Tackling. Like, how many times? Because that was, the, that was the part that didn't understand why you went to three down linemen. I'm watching the game going, all right, Marcus Freeman's, man. He's got these guys in the spot they need to be. He's got this all figured out. He knows exactly where they need to go. But they're just not making the tackles. That's not on Freeman. We, I mean, maybe it is. Again, I don't know what they're coaching and whatnot during the week. But I don't want to totally blame him because he's putting them right where they need to be. They're just not making the tackle. So, But then he puts them in a position where they're going to fail. Once Florida State realized we were not doing anything but three down linemen, three three five. okay, we'll just run at you. Uh, even if Florida, State, Florida State's offensive line sucks, five against three on the – in the trenches is better than five against four. And then if you bring both, you have to bring all three linebackers up to make it worthwhile because then you got six on five. But then it's just, no matter how you slice it, Florida State couldn't throw outside of the one time Houston Griffith got beat. But they could run, so we made it easier for them to run. I don't... I don't get it. Just, you know, Travis... Kept getting away from us, and they were, I guess, over pursuing in some instances and whatever. But you can't continue to put the team in a position. You're effectively setting them up for failure. That's what you're doing. You're setting them up for failure. Three down linemen. It wasn't working. It wasn't going to work. But yet we kept doing it. Let's roll with it. Come on. We'll figure this out. No. And I don't want to. I'm not a coach. I, I've never played. I've played at D three level, but not at D one or anything like that. But maybe Freeman being on the field hinders his perspective and point of view because cl- 
Clark Lee was always up in the booth. And you can see the whole field. And let's be honest. Was Clark Lee not the most amazing halftime adjusting coach we've had in a very, very long time? Especially on defense. But, I mean, there was no doubt every single time that Clark Lee was going to get it. Don't worry. Whatever they were doing in the first half, it is done happening in the second half. And it felt that way with with Marcus Freeman for a minute. Oh, I mean, that's not true because the the second half, Florida State came out. Huge kick return. Boom, 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 touchdown. But it was 38-20. It was 38-20 going in the fourth quarter. I don't understand how you let them get back in this game, knowing what they could and could not do. Like, it's like they couldn't pass. So play your base defense, your 4-3, and see if they can pass. Don't assume they're going to pass with a 3-3-5 and then get smoked on the run. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not a great start to the second half, but then it looked better. All of a sudden, we got it going, 38-20. Here we go. But I just, I don't understand. Because my, it's funny, my notes in, on this game were uh, only a page and a half. Um, ended up being three full pages. And literally a page and a half was literally the fourth quarter. Like three and a half quarters, just notes throughout the game. And then all of a sudden, it's just, I, I don't get it. Um Kyle Hamilton is amazing. Uh, we need to start Kyle Heismanilton. If you've seen me, <laughs> hashtag Kyle Heismanilton. He's he's an animal. He's a beast. He maybe keep his helmet on. I mean, that'd be good. But hey, maybe maybe it's an NIL thing. It's for the brand. He's gonna get that on a T-shirt. But you know, we looked great. Okay. We, we, there were issues. I'm not going to lie. But I feel like they're correctable. We need to tackle. Don't stay in a three-down three, three uh, down lineman formation for that long. It just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And it's just... like I don't, I don't understand. Because the secondary is a weakness. So why put more of them out there? <laughs> like... Uh, a missed tackle was 89-yard touchdown pass. Getting burned on a another pass, 66-yard pass. The uh, naked bootleg, no Kyle Hamilton. I don't. I don't understand. I don't get it. But I do think all those things are easily correctable. There was not um, some that we just looked out out man. Outside of the secondary, I'm going to be honest. It just Outside of Kyle Hamilton, it's not pretty. That's why USC concerns me. But if we can get four down linemen to get pressure, because I do believe they're going to be better than any offensive line that we face, if we can do that, then that makes the quarterback's job a little bit harder because he's got less time. And you know what it makes? It, it makes their job, the quarterback's job harder, and it also makes the secondary's job a little bit easier because they don't have to cover for as long. And the pass are going to come out quicker and so on and so forth. So, 
Defense was concerning. Not a great showing for game one by Marcus Freeman. But it is something that can be corrected. The most big, the biggest thing is this tackling, tackling optional crap. I don't get it. It's the sport of tackle football. I feel like tackling should be a requirement. But we made it seem like it was optional on Sunday night. And, and we, can't, we can't do that. So, from the defensive side, that's, that's where we're at. I, we just need to see. I know Toledo's not going to be the, anything to gauge. I mean, it's Toledo. We get that. Hey, they are 1-0, though. And I'll talk briefly about Toledo at the end of this whole thing. But the fact of the matter is defense can be corrected. And I'm going to get to what's the bigger storyline after I go over the offense. So with the offense. Oh, and real quickly, last thing uh, as far as defense, because I guess this includes Florida State's offense. You know, and, and again, let's be glad we call. I kept saying it, I kept saying it, I kept saying it. I know the boys of the Horseman Pod kept calling me out. You know, now Florida State's terrible. I'm be glad we caught them week one. I think they're going to get better. I'm still a little bit surprised how they played. I didn't, I didn't think, I thought when it got to 38 20, that was it. We nailed it. Home run, done, donezo. But no, let's be glad we got them week one, okay? And Milton, I guess, probably should have started. You know, we got we to gotta talk about Mackenzie Milton real quick, okay? Milton probably should have started based on how he played. Having said that, is he the bionic man? I, the story is great, okay? The story is... Um, it, it was a... Devastating, catastrophic injury while he was at UCF. I get that. And it's an awesome story that he's come back. He's able to play Division One football at a high level and everything else. That's fantastic. But I was ready to drive to Tallahassee and unplug Joe Testor's microphone. Because I didn't, like, the hyperbolic speech was just, oh my God, over the top. Like, I get it. It's a cool story. Can we please play football now? Oh, Mackenzie Milton cuts on the leg that was nearly amputated and that like, okay, all right, I get it. He's the bionic man, wonderful. Jesus is out there walking on water, cool. It's just, I, I had enough of the, the Milton story. Like, I, it was cool. And I'm not even, I'm not even saying this because it was against Notre Dame. I mean, that's extra sauce on the, the suck pie that it was. That was just extra, like, oh, it's against our team. Perfect. But just in general, like, okay, got it. Yep. Okay, yep. Me- message message received. Okay. Okay, Joe. Joe, shut, shut your fucking mouth. We get it. He got hurt. We heard. I don't know. Did you guys know? I don't know. I had no idea. Like, I was so... <sighs> yeah. And it, it just doesn't help that in the, the moments he's talking about it, which was annoying just in, in itself... It happens to be as the clock is ticking and all things are going south for Notre Dame, or so it seemed, you know. And just for the defense looking lost, Joe Testor running his mouth, Mackenzie Milton, and 
just you know and then uh, Milton the uh the fumble that wasn't the I guess that was the Tom Brady fucking tuck rule or whatever crap but I got a question okay fine it's not a fumble it's an incomplete pass why is that not intentional grounding if we if we're in agreement if we're going to agree that that was a forward pass how is it not intentional grounding he was freaking out cuz he was about to get lit up cuz we got pressure in his face He's walking backwards, doesn't know what to do, drops the ball, but they say it's incomplete pass, which, find me the receiver that was um, at his feet. But you know where you can find at his feet? A defensive lineman trying to sack him. So that should have been intentional grounding, but I don't I don't understand that. you know. <clears throat> but I guess the silver lining in all of this is we gave America a great game to watch, and... That was fun, and the Mackenzie Milton story, that was cool, whatever. But if I'm trying to, if I have to find a silver lining, it's not, it's not a good thing for what our team is supposed to be. So I had to go, I had to touch on the Mackenzie Milton thing. It's, I, you know, honestly, for the rest of the year, I hope he starts and I hope he goes out and does amazing. Because honestly, at this point, if Florida State plays really well, if they play anything like they did against Notre Dame and you get the opposing team to not adjust their defense and let them do whatever they wanted to do and they go whatever and won, you know, they start winning games, it makes Notre Dame look better and we can use that as an argument at the end of the season in terms of our strength of schedule or blah, 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 blah. Right? So, but let's talk about the offense. All right? Jack Cohn look good, guys. Jack Cohn looked good. Um, he, he wasn't perfect, obviously. Nobody's perfect. He had a couple underthrows. That'll that'll come. I, I think he's got the arm. I think he does. Um, so that the timing and stuff on deep balls, that'll come. I'm not too worried. I like that we were trying it. How about that? How about that we were trying it? Because do you really think Ian Book's throwing the ball that was a 50-50 to Joe Wilkins? Do you really think Ian Book is dropping that ball to Kevin Austin, do you really think? No, he he's not. But also, Ian Book is not just. Uh, I don't want to say it like this, but I don't know another way to say it. But just accepting a sack, like Jack Cohn was back there, and I'm a I'm a Giants fan, so I watched Eli Manning do this for years, and he learned it from his brother Peyton. If you're gonna get sacked, just fall over. Just play dead. Like, okay. We're not even going to try to avoid the sack. We're just going to accept it. Like, uh, well, that's a sack. So that's one thing, Ian, we're going to miss. You know, we're going to miss that for sure. But at the same time, there's a couple throws that Cone made that Ian was just flat out not going to make. He was not throwing that football. It's not in his thing. It's not his repertoire. It's not what he does. So... You know, but at the same time, as I just mentioned, Jack Cohn is voluntarily taking sacks where Ian Book would never. Yet, we really felt the need to run a freaking QB power on third and five with Jack Cohn. I don't understand it. Like, that couldn't. Did he audible? Did he mishear the play? 
Did we forget it was Jack Cohen? We still thought because Ian Book was there for forever. It was still Ian Book under center. What happened? Because that, like, please tell me that that wasn't on purpose. That can't be on purpose. You can't run that play there. Not with that guy. But I'm jumping ahead because there were a lot of good things uh, to start the game. You know, I questioned the third, third and two call when I felt like we should just run it. But as it turned out, maybe there was a better call to try to pass it. But then we get um, uh, Mayer wide open on fourth down. Perfect play call. Hurry up offense. Boom, 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 boom. Florida defense looked all out of sorts. Mayer's wide open. Gone. Then we come back and all of a sudden we get all these gimmicks. Flea flickers and uh, trying to run like a little shovel pass reverse thing. And it's too gimmicky. Come on. Like. We're, we're, we don't need to be gimmicky. Toledo needs to be gimmicky against Notre Dame if they want to put some points on the board. Because we we outman them across the board. You know, Florida State, maybe, if they were uncertain about how their team is going to look, knowing full well they weren't good last year, maybe they can be... We don't need to be gimmicky. I don't get it. Get down, play football. I don't get it. I, I don't understand decisions that were were made throughout the game. For example, we come out, high tempo, boom, 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 throwing the ball, throwing the ball, touchdown, boom, yes. All right, now we're going to, here's what we're going to do, guys. You know how that passing thing really, really worked? We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball for 1.9 yards a carry and then occasionally throw the ball. Then we're going to start throwing the ball again and realize, oh, man, that really works. Okay, that really works. Then we're going to stop doing that to let Florida State get back in the game. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not trying to dumb this down to a video game. I'm really not. But I know when I play freaking Madden or when uh, EA Sports College Football was a thing, uh, if if something's working, just hold down triangle. Keep running the same damn play. Sorry, I play PlayStation for you. Xbox guys, you hold down triangle, run the same play again. But, like, just keep doing it. Make them stop. Make them adjust. Why are we adjusting to them? I don't understand it. It makes no sense. Fucking Tommy Conservative or BK Broiler being conservative. I don't know. Whoever it was needs to stop. They need to have a little intervention. Stop playing conservative, playing not to lose football. Try play playing to win football. And that involves throwing the goddamn football because it was working. It was so working, and I don't get it. But at the same time, why are we not targeting Kevin Austin? Once we did, by the way, that worked out, didn't it? Didn't that look nice? Throwing it to Kevin Austin, and he's doing things and catching balls and getting open and shit. You know what his first target was? You may not even notice this, but I noticed it because I'm like, where in the hell is Kevin Austin? Like, we can't run the ball for shit, and the only guy we're targeting is Michael Mayer. Which, but uh, I'll get to him. But where's Kevin Austin? His first target, Kevin Austin's first target, occurred with 8 minutes and 50 seconds ago in the second quarter. He went a quarter and a half without seeing a football thrown his direction. With 5 minutes left in the half, Austin and Lindsey are 1 and 2 receivers. Five minutes ago in the half. So you played one and three quarters quarters of football. <laughs> you know, you you don't play two full quarters of football. Austin and Lindsey combined, this is in totality, combined for two targets and two catches. Well, 
They're catching the ball. Maybe start throwing to them a little bit more. What do you say? And Lindsey set up uh, the touchdown to uh, put us up. I th- believe it was 38-20. I think after that um, uh, Clarence Lewis interception, right to Lindsey for like 20-something yards. And then Tyree puts it in. And it's just... We throw it, we score. Huh! Wow! Why stop? Because... I, I don't know why the because. I don't have an answer for the because. He's on third. I don't know. It's... It's very frustrating... To watch... Your team do something successfully and then just stop doing that thing. It's very frustrating. Everyone else in the country is slinging it all over and then when we do, it looks good, it looks great, we're scoring points, we're doing all the right things and then we just stop. We just cut it out. I don't understand. Because Jack Cohn, with seven minutes left in the third quarter, was 21-26 to 26 for 311 and four TDs. So for the next quarter and a half, he was 5 of 9 for 55 yards. And that'd be one thing if we were still up by 18 or 20 points. But you know what? We weren't. Florida State was coming back on us. And we still weren't throwing the ball. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. It's very, 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 very confusing. Because passing works. Passing works. Kevin Austin, healthy. Get him involved. Michael Mayer, looked fantastic. Except for a couple drops. Kind kind of important drops, too. Kind of important drops. Not going to lie. They were... They were a big deal. Yeah. Um, one would have kept a drive alive. That, that drive ended and they ended up scoring on an 89-yard touchdown to make it 7-7 where it looked like we were driving. Could have gone up 10 or 14 nothing. Um... Then, obviously, the potentially game-winning drive in the fourth. He's he's just trying to do too much. And I think, he, you know what it is? He's excited that he's not running a three-yard drag. And he is thrilled to pieces and doesn't know what to do. He just wants to do more. But both those cases, he was past the first down marker. The It was third down both times. Just get the first down. Like, just get the first down. Yeah, it'd be nice if you can keep your feet, get this, that, and the other, break some tackles, whatever. Get the first down. Let's keep the drive alive. Let's go. But what I did find interesting, um, on top of the classic mayor drag, my God, get this guy down the field. Stop with the drag shit. He can do more. I promise you, you saw it. But what was interesting was he had gloves on in OT. I don't know if anybody caught that. He was barehanded throughout the game. Then in OT, all of a sudden, he had gloves on. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. I don't know, I don't know if the man... Uh, the uh, coaches said, hey, put some gloves on, dude. Stop dropping the damn ball or what. But that was kind of interesting. You know, so Mayer is still our best player. But it was so obvious when we throw the ball, we are good. Why stop? Why stop? We've got the dudes to do it. Wilkins won a 50-50 ball. Wilkins is coming up, playing, making plays. Lindsey, Austin, Mayer. Uh, Kyron, he's awesome out of the backfield. I just do what works. Last year, USC was whatever whatever they were. I forget their record. I uh, I have to look back. 
I'll be honest. I'll look back right now because I want to know their record because my point is relevant to their record. Last year, USC was 5-1. and one. You know what their offense was? Their offense was 319 yards passing per game and only 97 yards rushing per game. You know what? If something works, fucking do it. Who cares? Who cares about balance? Who cares? You play to win the game. You don't play to balance the offense. You don't play to build a certain statistical uh, statue. You don't. You play to win. Whatever wins. And by win, I don't mean in overtime, 41-38 against team you're clearly better than. I mean like when it's 38-20, end the game. End it. Don't play patty cake. I'm, I'm sick of the playing not to lose. I'm so sick of it. You know what else is playing not to lose? You know what else is playing not to lose? Fair catch, motherfucking central. Sorry for the language. I've been swearing throughout the damn thing. Let's keep it going. Fair catch, motherfucking central. I, I talked about this. I'm like, Salerno, why do we have Salerno as the punt returner? I don't get it. And then, I guess Brian Kelly thinks he's funny. And you know what? I'm going to talk about a Brian Kelly joke here in a second, too. You may have heard it. But Brian Kelly must be telling jokes to his own goddamn self. Because he's like, all right, I get it. Matt Salerno, not the best punt returner. I'll I'll listen. I'll put one of our best athletes, one of our stars, back to return punts. Kyron Williams, you go catch some punts. But hey, while you're back there, don't return a damn thing. You fair catch shit of that, man. Because that's how we roll. God forbid something good happens on a fair catch. Or... Uh, <laughs> See, we fair catch so much. I call our punt return game a fair catch game. You know, nothing good can happen on a fair catch. Well, no shit, you're fair catching it. Nothing good can happen on a punt return because we're trying not to do that. We're trying to not do anything special. God forbid we get a few yards, put our offense in a better spot. But you know what? Some of those were acceptable fair catches. The punt team is on your ass. You got to fair catch it. I get it. I get it. But you know what I don't get? You know what I don't get? This is the ultimate playing not to lose. This is the ultimate conservative. There's no other way around it. Why, oh why, are we fair catching kickoffs? Why? And I don't mean, I don't mean taking a knee in the end zone, guys. I don't mean taking a knee five, seven, whatever yards deep in the end zone. Even a yard deep, you're in the end zone, take a knee. I got you. We're fair catching fucking kickoffs on the seven. So what you're telling me is the guy wearing number 25, shout out to the Rocket, best highlight reel Notre Dame football history, guy wearing number 25 is fair catching the ball on the 7 because we don't think he's going to get to the 25. By the way, he might be the fastest guy on our team before Florida State gets down. What? Is is something that catastrophic going to happen if he attempts to return it? But you know what? At this point, maybe I'm nervous about him returning it because he's not going to know what to do. He's like... I, I don't know. I'm scared. I, I fair catch everything. I don't know what to do. I don't get it. It needs to stop. The fair catching of all kicks needs to stop. Can we please put somebody with playmaking ability in the role? Oh, wait, we've already done that. Okay, next. How about we allow them to be a playmaker? Okay? Just, just do something different, man. Play to win the game. Allow Chris Tyree to run a kickback. See what happens. It might be good. You never know. 
allow Kyron Williams to return a punt. You might you know what? Something good might happen. Tim Brown made a name for himself doing this shit. The Rocket. Joey Gatherall. Tommy Zibikowski. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. We need to start playing to win the football game. That's my message. Stop playing insanity ball, doing the same shit over and over again, expecting a different result, and play to win the football game. You know what this really is about? It's all about execution. And you know what? Brian Kelly executed that joke very poorly because, okay, I'm not going to make a big deal because it is a joke, and I think it needs to be understood that it's a joke, and the people blowing this up, get over yourself. Come on. Get get out of whatever century you think there, whatever you think this is offensive mindset. Get out of there, please. You, but you can't set up your own jokes. Like, you, come on, BK. You can't set up your own jokes like that. But the real joke is hilarious. I'm not going to lie. The real joke is... It's like, I, 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 I kind of knew of the joke, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm only 37. I wasn't alive when John McKay said what he said. But I felt like I had heard that. But hearing it again, oh, man, that got me. You know, but the reporter set him up. What do you think of your team's execution? Or what do you think of your team's execution? I'm in favor of it. BK set himself up for the joke, and it doesn't quite work that way. So, you know, but he did find it funny to put out the playmakers that we've been begging for on our punt and kick return game, only to have them fair catch everything. I don't understand that. If you're going to do that, just put out Salerno. Just in the event something freak happens, they decide to light up the punt returner, and now you've got whoever with a concussion or whatever. I mean, shit. Again, I said it last week. I think I said it last week. I've said it before. I know this much. If you're just going to fair catch the ball, let me go back there. I'll check and see if I have any eligibility left. My dream was to play football at Notre Dame. And I did punt, return punts. I actually returned punts. I caught the ball and ran somewhere with it. But if the requirement is to catch it, I mean, let me put on the gold helmet. Please. I'll do it. I'm not afraid. Because there's nothing to be afraid of. You're not going to get hit. There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> it's it's going to catch the damn ball. But we need to start playing to win the game. Play to win the game. Play to win the game. I don't know how loud I can say it for it to all, get all the way to South Bend. But, you know, let, let's hope. Let's hope it does. But the, the deal is we won, guys. That's, you know, and... It's kind of funny. We won because FSU iced their own kicker. He made the 50-yarder, if you guys didn't notice. He made the 50-yarder. And you could say, well, the pressure was off because of the time, but whatever. No, he he was locked in. He made the 50-yarder. And then Mike Norvell iced his own kicker, and that was fantastic. And I guess it only would have been better if it went wide right. Shout-out to Bobby Bowden. But... And real, I, I, I'm a sarcastic viewer of life, so I'm, I'm gonna make the jokes when they're there. But that that was pretty cool what they did with Bobby Bowden, the the uh, the logo on the field and stuff, and 
That was cool. Maybe uh, Florida State had a little bit of that going on. I'm not sure. But it. they missed a field goal. Notre Dame made their field goal. It's that simple. Which, again, we still played to just play. We played for the damn field goal as if that was a sure thing. I Play to win the game, please. That's it. Play to win the game. Play to win the game. All right. So, play to win the game. I'm done. Now we're going to go over my poll. I asked you guys on Twitter, what was the bigger story? How good Cone looked or how the defense looked? And it's interesting because 65% said the defense as opposed to 35% said Cone was the bigger story. And now having gone through the entire game, both sides of the ball, my likes and dislikes, my feeling was Cone is the bigger story. Now, here's the thing. I get why people want to say the defense is the bigger story because we hadn't given up that many points outside of, you know, uh, playoff caliber teams in a, a while. Even the 2018 season, the only time we gave up 30 points was exactly 30, and it was to Clemson, who, by the way, won the national championship. So I could see why the defense is the bigger story. However, I think in a vacuum for that game, I guess that's the bigger story, right? But, and maybe I should have phrased the question a little bit better, but I think for the season outlook, the bigger story is Cone. And here's why. I, I've kind of already said what I, uh, as far as the defense, but let me reiterate. I think the things with the defense are easily corrected. And I, I don't want to simplify it saying it's so super easy, just that's it. But, I mean, keeping all four down linemen in the game to continue to put pressure on the quarterback. You know, wrapping up. You're in position, make the tackle, make the play. Um, we showed that we can be there. So... There are so many examples throughout the game as to what would have kept Florida State from putting points on the board. We just have to work on our execution. So that's why I think the defense is not as big of an issue because the things that allowed Florida State to get the 38 points are correctable, are fixable, are not out of this world hard to accomplish. The reason I think Cone is the bigger storyline is because there were so many. How are you going to replace Ian Book? You know what's going to happen. Cone isn't mobile. Uh, is he going to be a real passing threat? You know, and I would say twenty-six of thirty-five for three hundred sixty-six yards and four touchdowns says he is going to be a passing threat, and he should have had over four hundred yards if we just continued to throw the damn football instead of having our mindset on running the establishing a run that was not needed. You didn't need to establish the run. There was no reason for it. And I say Cone's the bigger story because if he's going to do that all season, I do believe there's just, there's no way Marcus Freeman got the fanfare he got and everything else and did what he did at Cincinnati if he's not a good coach. And it's just there's no way. There's no way for all those things to be false, basically. Like, Marcus Freeman has to be better than that. 
And quite honestly, there I mean he has to. There's no other there's <laughs> no other way. He has to go up from there. But that's why I think the defense is a, a lesser story because of the ability to fix what we did see. Whereas Cone, you hope well, I guess in both well, on the defensive side, you hope that was like a one-off. That was the anomaly. That's not going to happen again. Whereas Cone, you hope that was not a one-off. The bigger story is Cone needs to do that throughout this season and find Mayer and find Austin and find Lindsey and find Wilkins and find Williams out of the backfield and so on. You know, we that needs to be a thing. So that's why, for me, Cone is the bigger story. And in that game, I guess you could say, because I talked more about the defense, you could say the defense is the bigger storyline, but looking forward because the you know big picture that's that's what we're in this for. Notre Dame isn't in this for anything but the big picture, and the big picture is eleven and one, twelve and zero, you know, which is a very real possibility at this point. Um, so Cone needs to come out and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. You know, he needs to do it twelve times over. That's what we need to see from Jack Cohn. So, for those reasons, I feel like Cohn is the bigger story. So, I appreciate the uh, all you that did comment and vote and let me know uh, your thoughts and where you landed on those ideas. You know. But, uh, lastly, I want to wrap up real quick with the world's short- shortest preview of a game. Uh, I'm going to try to do some decent previews, especially for our bigger games. But, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, the Toledo, I'm not I'm not interested in reviewing a Toledo game. They, they racked up 400 yards on Norfolk State. Uh, 200 rushing. 230 pass. Nothing crazy, right? Um... Norfolk State did run for 147 yards, and I'll tell you what, if if Norfolk State runs for more yards, or not even more yards, because I want us to pass more, but they average three and a half yards a carry, which isn't great, okay, but it's better than 1.9, I'll tell you that much. So I I, I feel like we need to uh, do a little bit better against Toledo than Norfolk State did. What do you say? Because uh, Toledo got the win. But, you know, Jack Cohn averaged 10.5 yards per attempt. When was the last time Ian Book uh, came close to that? I, I feel like it's just it's a different different type of offense, and I, 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 I'm enjoying it. So let's keep it going. But the big news about the game on Saturday, uh, 9-11, I'm sure there's going to be a tribute, as there should be. Um, it's 21 years to the day where... A lot of our lives were changed for forever. I know I was in high school at the time. It was, it was crazy. You know, especially being in, uh, well, I was two years, not even like a year and a half removed from living in New Jersey. I still had family that worked in New York City and stuff. It was crazy, but I'm sure there'll be a tribute, um, as there should be for 9/11 on Saturday. But the big news is the game is going to be on the Peacock. So. Get your peacocks out and log in, subscribe, 
like share no wait that's for my podcast uh, <laughs> no i it should be easy to do i downloaded the app i got the app um uh shout out to jl gallagher helping me out um getting that set up for me and so that i can watch the game and in the comfort of my own home and not actually have a peacock subscription so that that'll be a little cool little thing but yeah, the Peacock, it's on the Peacock. Please be prepared for that. Don't be surfing your sports channels, your CBS Sports, your CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN News, uh, ACC. It's not going to be anywhere except the Peacock. It's an app. Download it. Help your friends find it. And I don't, I don't like the uh, don't subscribe I mean, I'm, I don't love it either. Uh, you know, I don't love that we have to pay for a Notre Dame game. That's weird. But it is, I believe, the wave of the future. But secondarily, you'll be damned if I miss a Notre Dame game. In fact, Notre Dame several, several, several years ago against North Carolina, oddly, was on ESPN Plus or whatever, where it was a, you, a game, ESPN game plan where you had to buy the game. That was the only way to watch the game. Was to buy the game. I paid nineteen ninety nine plus tax to watch Notre Dame lose to Florida or Florida State lose to North Carolina, and I believe it was Jimmy Clausen threw a pick six to kind of seal that, which was devastating. Or no, it wasn't a pick six; it was just an interception. But nonetheless, I I have paid for a Notre Dame game. Okay, I'm not opposed to that because I'm not missing a Notre Dame game. No, no can do, sir. Sorry. And now that I have a podcast, it's even more imperative that I don't miss the game. It'd be really hard to talk about a game that I didn't see for an hour. Uh, yeah, this went a little bit longer than I planned, but it is game one. I'm excited. I get to talk about a game. And it, it's... Dude, we got it. Notre Dame football. We're 1-0. and You know, so Toledo, Peacock. It's our next game. They... They seem to be a balanced offense, but I don't foresee how they're going to do that against us. So we'll see what happens. But yes, yeah, Saturday, 9-11, tune in. Toledo Rockets, Notre Dame Fighting Irish in South Bend. That's all I got, guys. Play to win the game. I will talk to you next week. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.